It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. It is Monday, November 15th, 2021, and we've got a lot to get to. So we brought in another Big 12 expert, Robbie Triano. Robbie, how are you? You look chilly today. It's cold in D.C., but, man, it's not as cold as what Kansas did to Texas and what Baylor did to Oklahoma. Man, how about how about that new-look Big 12? Let's go. Your, your Baylor Bears, and let's just get right into it. So the first result we're going to get to right here. It is – I have the score wrong. It was 27-14 to 14, uh, that Baylor got the win over Oklahoma, 27-14. to 14. Let me change that really fast. But, yeah, I mean, this was the game of the weekend. And to me, Robbie, I'm not sure how it started off for you, but I thought in the beginning, I was like, okay, Baylor's wasting all of these chances. And it felt like it was inevitable that the defense uh, – or the offense, rather, for Oklahoma would eventually get it going, right? It's That's kind of how it goes – that's not the case. It was the entire day, and Caleb Williams having his hand stepped on obviously didn't help. But to me, the upshot is this. On a week after getting thrashed by Chandler Morris, going up against a Lincoln-Riley team that is coming off a bye, this is the third time, the third time that we've seen a Dave Aranda defense get the better of a Lincoln-Riley offense. And this was the most decisive of the three. We saw it in the, uh, the, uh, the quarterfinal, uh, the semifinal rather, a couple years ago. We saw it last year. Uh, Baylor's defense did a really good job against Oklahoma. Their offense just didn't have much last year. And then, I mean, this was a dominant defensive performance for Baylor. And, it, and that's, that's, that's kind of where to start. Like, they, pillar to post, beat up on Oklahoma. Yeah, we know that Caleb Williams, he did get his hand stepped on, but he didn't look comfortable at all this entire game. And we talk about Oklahoma's offense. We know how great they are. But what Baylor did on their offensive side really, like, hindered what like anything Oklahoma could do offensively. We look at the time of possession. Baylor had 11 more minutes in Oklahoma, 11. And part of that is because Oklahoma's offense just could not get anything going. And that just shows how good Baylor's defense is on all three levels. And when I look at that game, it was just like, man, Baylor just ran the rock and ran the rock. And they just, Oklahoma just had nothing to do. Like in the end, the first half, seven, seven, it's like, okay, but by the end of the game, like you could just tell that time of possession just wore down Oklahoma. And Gary Bohannon, shout out him. He was a sneaky guy when it came to the end, like to the red zone. He was so good at being wiggly. I thought that Baylor played an exceptional game. And we all want to just like put Caleb Williams, Heisman, Heisman. He's a freshman. He's a true freshman. And this is what true freshmen do in the big moments against an actual really good defense and against a very defensive minded head coach, Dave Aranda. Caleb Williams showed who he was, and he's going to get better, but he's a freshman. Yeah, I mean, he lit up what well, you know, he's lit up Texas Tech, and, and he lit up uh, Texas. I'm trying to think who else. Obviously, he had the brilliance, you know, against Kansas in some certain moments. But, like, at some point, we were going to learn about, you know, how he would do in those moments. And look, he didn't really have a chance to respond because that, I mean, he, I guess he had opportunities, but Baylor's defense. Even in spots, especially early on, they didn't have to rush that many guys. They, they actually weren't really getting after the quarterback, in my opinion, until the second half. 
Like that's when they started to dial up the pressure, but they were rushing four and, and, and dropping seven guys and they were throwing kind of different looks at, at Caleb Williams. And he looked really unsure of himself. Like he, you could see in the pocket, you know, he was trying to hang in there, trying to hang in there. And he made a lot of bad decisions on a lot of kind of routes that were kind of ending and, and guys, you know, were kind of slowing down a little bit at the end and would throw the ball and put the ball into harm's way. I mean, this was not a, not a good performance from him. And I think the Baylor defense deserves so much credit for that. And this is, you know, we talked about it on a larger scale, like Dave Aranda's ability to learn from his mistakes like he did last season. Well, this was this was that in a, in a week's time, right? This was a microcosm. I mean, they they the previous week, I thought did a really good job against TCU in the in the run stopping department, but got shredded in the air. There was not a whole lot to be had in the air. I mean, I, I thought the the best passing play kind of that stuck out to me was Spencer Rattler's throw downfield. I felt like it was the one that really kind of got Baylor the most off guard, if you will, and you know it ended up uh, it should have been a PI. Uh, but you know, it wasn't called and, and that was kind of it. Like I felt like this was a stagnant passing attack for most of the, uh, of the day for Oklahoma. And, um, I think this is the, this is the coaching performance where everybody is taking note of it. Like this is the one that people around the country are now starting to say, all right, LSU should have been calling. We've been saying this now for a little while. We don't want to see, we don't want to see Dave Aranda go, but how do you not take notice of a guy who is so steady and also is really good at correcting his mistakes because not all coaches can say that. No, I can totally agree. And from last season to now, he's just very aware. And he's like, okay, this doesn't work. Let's not keep doing that. And I think what they do is solid. And, you know, when we look at Oklahoma's team, why do we just always assume they're going to be this this solid? In a league right. that this year has just focused on running, Oklahoma has not been able to do that at all. Like when we look at this game here, Oklahoma, 78 rushing yards, 28 carries. Like in this league that has just been dominated by running, it feels like we're going back in time in this league. And it feels like Oklahoma just can't do anything running the ball. And maybe that has to do with what's happening up front with them. But Baylor just like really exploited a lot of their weaknesses in this game. And I mean, you have to shout out Dave Aranda for that. And when it we look about, you know, what exactly is going to happen to Oklahoma, I don't know if they're going to be a college football playoff team after this. Like you, the committee basically showed what they thought about Oklahoma leading up to this. And everyone yeah. wants to freak out and be like, Oh, why are they number eight? Well, now we kind of understand yeah, what, right. why they are there. And I don't see with a loss this late, if they even run the table, which I don't even think they can from what they've shown us. I don't think they have a shot of making to the, like, the I mean, they, playoff at all. they're going to have a tough time making the big 12 championship game. Like they've got to win those last two games, right? Because, Baylor's got two losses in the conference, but you know, it's like they, they Baylor's got the win over Oklahoma now. So if, if Oklahoma state, you know, is able to win out, like there's a tiebreaker between Baylor and Oklahoma, Oklahoma loses that. So they, they've got a, the pressures on them now to win out, you know, it's, and um, it's just, it's been, it's been dialed up to a whole, a whole new level. Kind of one more, one more thing on this really uncharacteristic. They did not look focused. They did not look prepared, I thought. On defense to start off, they did. But I think you were spot on. The second half especially, I haven't looked at the time possession numbers, but it felt like Baylor was able to sustain offense longer. And we knew Oklahoma needed to get back on the field and get a couple scores, and it felt like they just couldn't get back on the field fast enough. A couple of those, especially some some late drives in the fourth quarter to really ca- uh, kind of cap off the win 
for Baylor. But uh, what do you think about that? I mean, they just didn't – something didn't look right about Oklahoma, especially off of a bye. Yeah, when I saw that they were putting Spencer Rattler in, I just – game over. Like, yeah. if you really can't trust your quarterback in that time, you feel like you have to go to Spencer Rattler, the game's over. Like, that's where, like, I think Lincoln, Lincoln Riley was kind of throwing in the red flag, like or not the red, but the white flag, being like, let's just try something. the right here. move? I thought it was the right move. I thought I thought that was the right decision to, to try to do – because here's the thing. It was a three-point game. Now, I, I think you're right about the – it showed how much desperation they had. But also, like, it was not going to happen for Caleb Williams at that point. So – I felt like it was the right move, and he almost did make something happen, but Baylor's defense was too dialed in. He didn't have a chance. Yeah, the thing that was interesting that I learned after the game is that Spencer Rattler had the flu, so he was playing with the flu. So the fact that they would rather have a flu-ridden backup quarterback than their guy. Um, But another thing I want to discuss about this game was the field goal at the end by Dave Aranda because the fans stormed the field a second too early. Uh, Lincoln Riley goes crazy on the field. They don't get a penalty. And then Dave Aranda kicks a field goal, even though Baylor had won the game. Here's my take on this. If there's any chance to get points, you take it. He took it because the point differential, because if there's a tiebreaker in the big game, but it's just like, if you, I would pile up as many points as possible. I would, I have, I show no mercy in that type of thing. I don't show any type of sportsmanship. You have a chance to pile on someone, you do it. Especially Oklahoma, too. And look, that is now both teams that are leaving the Big 12. Baylor has beaten. I, I know Lincoln didn't like it, but like I-, I think he has to realize where his team is and how they're leaving the conference. And uh, you know, sure, the, the point of rental thing there is too, but also like that's part of it was Baylor sticking it to them. Part of it was Baylor kind of saying, like, look, we we handed your ass to you today. We can we can we can score right here. Or we will score right here. I didn't have a problem with it. it. Sounds like you don't either. No, I did not. Yeah. All right. So next game that we've got to look at right now, Robbie. It is Kansas fifty-seven, Texas fifty-six Ooh. in Austin. Kansas gets their second win. They hit the over on wins for the year. It is the first win for Lance Leipold uh, in Big Twelve play for the Jayhawks, and man, what a gutsy performance start to finish. Jalen Daniels comes in there in the last game that he can play before he is, you know, eligible to basically to redshirt so he can uh, save a season of eligibility, and he was lights out. So was Devin Neal. Like, this is, before we talk about Texas, like, it's all about Kansas here. This should be about – everybody's talking about Texas. Not here. This is about the Kansas Jayhawks being focused, going on the road, and bucking a trend. I talked about it last week of being dominated by teams that were coming off losses. They were the ones who got off to the fast start. They held, they held multiple three-score leads in this game. What a performance from the Jayhawks. Um Defense led a lot to be desired, but the offense was there and was ready to play, and uh, and they pushed Texas around a little bit. A hundred percent, and the fact that Jason Bean wasn't there, Miles Kendrick broke his leg, and Jalen Daniels comes in, and he's the guy, 21 of 30, three touchdowns, and also running the ball. Like This was just an unbelievable performance, and you know, full disclosure, I'm going to pull back the onion of what I was doing on Saturday night. Usually, I like to make my plans based on what games I think are going to be, in my mind, 
for sure wins. I was like, Texas is going to beat Kansas. Oklahoma State is going to beat TCU. So I went to a concert. I went to a concert, and I looked down, and I see Kansas is winning. Oh, okay. And then I, I saw the concert. And then after the concert, I looked, and I was like, okay, well, Kansas is still winning. So then, you know, I do my thing, take my girlfriend. I'm like, we have to go to a bar right now, and we need to watch the end of this game. And, like, D.C. is not known as this amazing sports town that cares too much about things other than D.C. sports. We right. go there. Everyone is glued to ESPNU. People that don't even care about sports are watching Kansas, Texas, just because so many people want to watch Texas lose. And it was an amazing, amazing thing. When he caught that two-point confu- conversion, everyone in the bar started erupting. It's, it was like a club, and everyone was just erupting. That's the magic of the Kansas Jayhawks. That's the magic, mostly of people hating Texas. And that was an amazing, amazing moment for Lance Leipold. And if you want to, like, if we talk about belief, if you want to, like, have your team believe in what you are preaching to them, that is it. That 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 win will win over that fan base. That will win over future recruits, win over everyone to say, hey, we took down someone we have no business beating. Absolutely no business. And the fact that Lance Leipold did that, that's a major, major stepping stone for that program. And also the, the big thing is like they gave the lead away a couple times and they let right. it get square again. That is a, normally you see this all the time in football and basketball, at the college level, like normally when the tide gets stemmed like that and you're able to kind of fight back the, the score flips, right? The, the lesser team kind of takes it, you know, takes it on the chin and they went down in overtime. They scored a touchdown. They go for two. And like, like it's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, unbelievable. they throw it to every kid's name. They throw it to a kid who hadn't caught a pass. He's a walk-on. Uh, a walk-on on Kansas who hadn't caught a pass all year, and they convert a two-point conversion. And I just – it was a brave effort. And, and you know they were going for two. There was no way they weren't going for two. Right. There was concern when Jalen Daniels was rolling back, but that, that was – it seemed like it was kind of the play design. Found the man, threw it, and – um like it's, it was just kind of euphoria. And look, I'm a Missouri graduate. I'm not supposed to be happy for Kansas. I'm, I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased for Kansas. Let's get to Texas. So <laughs> this let's, I'm going to frame it like this, Robbie. I mean, this in a positive way first to you. What is Texas's identity right now? Oh, in Texas. a positive way. Like no. what kind of football team is this? Um, well, I can't say anything about defense. Bijan Robinson's out for the year. <laughs> I don't know what quarterback is going to be playing each time. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, uh, he was coached by Nick Saban. That's right. something they can hang their hat on. Um, I think I'm getting the gist of your question. There's really nothing yeah. they can really have in, as an identity. It's not defense, not quarterback, not running back. Xavier Worthy is really good. But, I mean, this team really does not have a true identity whatsoever. And it's just clear as the season goes on. It's become more about the shenanigans outside it, about the monkey, about Bo Davis, you know, saying MF for 3,000 times. This has been their identity. And that is just like, <laughs> you look at Texas and you laugh, like you're going to the SEC. Yeah, you're right leaving us this. for them. You're leaving, you're leaving us for them. Oh, right. okay. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Like if you really like, it's just hilarious. It's just, this is the point of college football, but where it's beautiful. This is, it's just, this is comical. What is happening to OU in Texas, mainly Texas. Just like you have everything in the world and you still stink. How is this possible? It's more like we need like Malcolm Gladwell to write like a 300 page book 
about this. Like what exactly is going wrong at Texas? And I don't know. It's hilarious. And, and Sark t- talked today about like the amount of guys that are going to be on the roster next year. Right. And it's a couple things are clear to me. Number one, they've got a, they've got a talent deficiency. Like they are not as talented as we all thought they were. They're not, they're just not, they're defensively not very talented. A couple nice players. Defensively, they're not very talented. On both fronts, they're not very talented. Also, here's another thing, too. They got to find a quarterback. They, like, I think, I think a lot of this also, too, and and none of these guys, and and this is where I support Sark, none of these guys are his guy. He did not bring any of these quarterbacks in. I know Carden Thompson are two talented guys, but, like, like Case Thompson, he threw for six touchdowns, but they lost the game, right? And threw it and had a bad interception, too. Um, you know, Thompson's had some really nice moments. He's had some really bad moments too. And that's the problem for him is there's actually, he's actually put up some decent numbers this year, but the consistency in the performance isn't there. And up front, they're consistently, it's just, they're not good enough. I would say the group I felt the best about this year, you know, it's wide receiver group, like that group. And, and they are, they also, I mean, you know, that that's not been perfect because I lost Jordan Whittington and Joshua Moore has, has left the team. So there is so many layers to this. There's so many things they have to fix. But like, it's this just shows this is not one of those things where you can cycle coaches. You, it's not gonna. It's not going right. to fix the problem. They've they've tried before. They have systemic issues. They've got to give Sark some time to see if he can fix it because obviously the current situation is not it, and the current players in the team aren't responding to the new coaching very well. So that's why I think we're going to see so much turnover is like this player group plus this, this, you know, the coaching staff is all gas, no breaks. Right. The the playing is not necessarily there. And I'm not saying it's all on the players, but like it's up to the coaches to kind of find a way to, to bring them along. But at some point this marriage of this group of players, this coaching staff isn't working Obviously, there's going to be some changes, and I think those changes come this offseason in the form of a lot of players leaving and new players, transfers, whatever, coming in. Yeah, I, I'm i 25 years old, and I consider myself a young person, but I'm about to have like a real old guy type of take here. There's a certain type of mentality that comes when celebrating. I'm fine if players want to, you know, let themselves express themselves, but I'm watching this game, and I'm watching Texas down by two scores, and they get a touchdown and like people are throwing each other in the end zone. People are throwing each other in the air like they just won the, the Super Bowl. And I'm like, if that happened on a Nick Saban team where someone is celebrating scoring a touchdown two scores down to Kansas, Nick Saban would literally kill that player. He would literally be like, <laughs> what are you doing? Get back to work. That's why I appreciate Baylor going back to them. When their defensive backs make an interception and it's led by Jalen Petrie, they take the ball and they're like, all right, we did our job. And they get offsides. There's no... So, like, this is a very old guy moment, but I'm like, please act like you've been there before. Casey Thompson mm. throws a touchdown. His offensive lineman's throwing him in the air like a beach ball. I'm like, what is going on here? And that's where I think it sounds bad, but I feel like Steve Sarkeesian is really weeding out the type of character. Like, they get they get stars. They get, like, four or five-star players on that team. They are weeding out that type of, like, okay, you're really talented, but, like, you're not someone that can win here. Like, I feel like a lot of emphasis in Texas is focused on the star, but not the person. Bijan Robinson, he is both. He has multiple stars and he is a great person. But there's a lot of people on this team. That's why you hear Bo Davis. 
Like, if you want to transfer, transfer. Like, if you're laughing off these games, like, you're supposed to be Texas. You're supposed to be the best on the best. There's supposed to be pressure on you. It's more than a game. It's literally people's fans' livelihood to cheer for you. People wake up every Saturday wanting to cheer for you. Like, people care about this. And if you don't care, get out. That's what he's trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And I look at Texas and I'm like, man, these are a lot of players here that have so much talent but are just not winners. And I really feel like Steve Sarkeesian is, like, taking a flamethrower and, like, not caring, like, get out. And I'm fine. Right. And I'm, I'm okay with it, too. Like, those guys don't – they clearly don't want to be there. Like, they, they've checked – especially on defense, they've checked out. And I, I will say this, like, the and I've mentioned this all year long – Guys like Xavier Worthy, you can attract those kinds of players because Sark knows how to get them the ball, right? Xavier right. Worthy, they'd had, they, it took a little time to, 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 for them to say, all right, we trust this kid. But now he's a star, right? And, and that's the kind of player they can, they can help attract, and he knows how to do that. that that's not the problem, right? they got to build this team. they gotta, they got to get more players like a Bijan, like Xavier Worthy, but, like, and, but in places like right guard and, you know, uh, you know a nose tackle, right? Safety. Those are the kinds of players that they need all those positions, building block, type personalities, type guys who want it that badly. And, and they've got to fix that. And that's going to take some time. Um, but the but the big story coming from this game for us in Big 12 country is, hell yeah, Lance Leipold, all right? Don't let it get lost. That's what we care about. Hell yeah, Lance Leipold. All right. Quick word from the sponsors here. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Go to Prize Picks right now. When you guys do, you can use the promo code locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, locked on, and you will receive uh, a 100% deposit match. It's the best place to play daily fantasy for all college sports, overrunners on touchdowns and yards, all those kinds of things. So go to Prize Picks today, download the app in whatever, uh, it's available in most states. All right, Robbie, let's get back to it here. Next game on the docket. Oklahoma State, 63, uh, TCU, 17. So there's a new best team in the Big 12. 100%. Um, this, and Mike Gundy said it, this is the most complete game in all three phases they've played. They beat the brakes off TCU. They absolutely killed them. And this team is rounding into form. There's no doubt they're a top 10 team. And, I mean, Depending on how Oklahoma plays next week and how Oklahoma State plays following week or next week as well, like there's a chance, a realistic chance that they are favored. They are favored going into Bedlam. And they should be. They they, this, if they play this week. They would be um, dominant rushing performance this week. And this is the thing: they knew where TCU was vulnerable, and they hit them right there. They ran for 447 yards. They ran for eight touchdowns. We heard some names we hadn't heard as much, right? You know, Dominic Richardson goes 12 carries for 134 and two scores. Jalen Warren gets kind of a little bit of night off, 17 carries, 113 and three scores. Desmond Jackson gets 68 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Jay Nixon runs for a touchdown as well. I mean, they had four different guys find the end zone on the ground. And also Spencer Sanders, um, he threw for a touchdown, just one touchdown in the game. They scored 63 points. But this team has an identity. They want to run it, and they want to run it right at your ass, and they're going to shut you down on defense and clamp you. Uh, and it's working. It's it's working to perfection right now. Yeah, it's. Um, I look at this team, and I really think if they run the table, they should 100% be in the college football playoff. They have a, an elite defense. Like, we should stop saying, a, like, good. They have an elite defense. 
I think they should be in the like the talk of Georgia of like how good this yeah. has been. And yeah. like, yeah, you talk about identity. They just run the rock. Like I was looking at the stats for this game. 62 yards, 62 carries, 447 rushing yards. I mean, unbelievable. And they had eight rushing touchdowns. They had eight from four different players. Like this team just knows who they are, and I love that. But when I look at this Oklahoma game that they're going to play, which is a primetime game, which is how rivalry should be. Yep. There's no way anyone could be confident in Oklahoma winning that game. Like if we look at Oklahoma this year and especially what happened to Baylor, Oklahoma State, I think right now is like I can lock them in to win the Big 12 right now. And like we've seen this conference wow. be very chaotic. I think I think this is like I think it's time to wrap it up. Like Oklahoma wow, State. Wow, really? Think I, I, I really do. I think I, I think this is Oklahoma State's year. And I think you'd find too much trepidation from Cowboy fans because of their their lack of success recently uh, against Oklahoma. But I feel you also two things I want to note: eleven for fifteen on third downs, which I mean that's fantastic. They held TCU to two of thirteen, and then penalties: twelve for seventy nine for TCU, one penalty, fifteen yards for Oklahoma State. Discipline, discipline. That is something one of the teams in Oklahoma has and one of the teams in Oklahoma does not have because I'm not sure, Robbie, if you saw some of those penalties that Oklahoma was racking up, especially early on in the game, dumb, stupid, procedural, things that we cannot be having having if you're a team like Oklahoma. So, I mean, anything else on Oklahoma State's ass-whipping that they took a TC, they gave TCU? I just think that Mike Gundy, like we always talk about Coach of the Year, like – and it's it's between him and Dave. Dave it's mm. between him and Dave Aranda, and like Dave Aranda will win because of where they were last year and where they are now. But like Mike Gundy has been unbelievable, and when we have him on the show, he talks about how he grinds his players during practice. Like he absolutely beats them down. Like they are a very tough team, yeah. and I really feel like they are hitting their perfect mark, and they're not getting tired. This is like like. Who was Jalen Warren five months ago? Who was he? And now he's like, right now, I think one of the best running backs in the Big 12. I think it's him and Abram Smith for like who matters the most right now. He's one of the best running backs in a conference that's the best with running backs in the country. I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. And he's, I mean, he's, he's a premium. He is the best offensive player on a top 10 football team. And he was nobody. He was right. nobody heading into the year. I had no idea who he was. I was like, oh, he's a transfer? Okay, cool. He might be fine. I thought L.D. Brown was going to be the guy. Nope, it's Jalen Warren. And um, I really do think that Oklahoma State, that that game against Oklahoma, I think if I were to pick now, like if I were to guess the Lions Bill Simmons style, I think they're like a five-point favorite. I, I There's there's nothing in the OU right now that makes me think I should be confident in them. I think next week's going to decide a lot, uh, you know, about how we think and what we see. Um and the team they're playing next week, Oklahoma, is Iowa State. So let's get to this. Texas Tech, 41. Iowa State, 38. A 62-yard field goal sinks the Cyclones. And, Robbie, here's the biggest win out of all of this. All right, this is the biggest win. Joey McGuire's football team is going to get now double-digit extra practices because they're going to a bowl game, which is really yeah. big for him. He gets – he gets, you know, he's and for a guy who's coming in midseason – that is a really important time for him to be able to evaluate his team. I know he'll be recruiting a lot too, but he's going to get a good opportunity to evaluate his football team through these practices. And Texas Tech is going to go to a bowl game. Their wins, I'm going to be honest with you, Robbie, their wins suck. They have a lot of bad wins this year. 
Like this for Texas Tech, getting you know going to a bowl game, great. But they've got Houston first game of the season. It's a quality win now. We look at it now, but Stephen F. Austin by six, FIU, West Virginia by three, which was fine-ish win. Kansas and Iowa State, like they've got two pretty good wins, but the rest you know, pretty average, whatever. This was an awesome win. This was an awesome win. And here's the thing. I don't want to bury the dead here. I, I'm, you know, Matt Wells, we all will love him. Um, Donovan Smith didn't see a whole lot of the field. I know some circumstances put him in this spot, but Hex Tech fans wanted to see him. Did not disappoint. 25 for 32 for 322, three scores, uh, and did a good job running the football as well, too. He took over this offense and put up a lot of points on a good defense. So this is an awesome win for Sonny Cumbie. This is an awesome win for Joey McGuire. It's a great win for Texas Tech. And one more thing before I let you kind of take over here uh, and and talk about this. But, man, I mean, you know, for Garibay, for Jonathan Garibay, what a kick. Unbelievable. What a kick from him. That was a bomb. And it probably would have been good for like 65, 66 yards too. I mean, he crushed that thing. Yeah, this is that was that was unbelievable. But I just keep looking at Iowa State, and I'm like, why? You we all agreed you had the most talent as or you and Oklahoma had the most talent in this conference. How are you six and four? There's anyone right now talking about Matt Campbell taking another job? Stop! Like Matt Campbell is a great coach. I believe in him. I believe in what he's doing. But this team is six and four. They should be nowhere near this. They have way too much talent, and it's just it, it's baffling for a team like Iowa State to to struggle this much and to have the same exact record. Now is Texas Tech at six and four? What what is going on? This makes mm-hmm. me just like if you were to take me. This is why this conference is kind of awesome, and you can't predict anything. If you were to take me five months ago and make my final predictions of what this conference would be, OU Iowa State. It's not that. It's not. It's just not that at all. It's basically right now Oklahoma State and Baylor because I would just consider Baylor just beat Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But it's just amazing how unpredictable this is. And um, it's just sad that we're counting the days to we don't see Brees Hall anymore. We probably yeah. don't see Xavier Hutchinson. I mean, we don't – Brock Purdy, you – good job, but bye. And, like, so <laughs> many members of this defense are gone, and it's just like – you're an Iowa State fan, like, how do you not just, like, delete your Twitter? How do you not just, like, burn all your clothes? Like, this was the best chance my team would have ever had ever, and they they more than squandered it. Well, and their it, losses, too, are just, like, they beat – let's be honest, they beat themselves against Iowa, who, like, once again, it's, it's been shown now, if you take care of the football and have a few explosive plays against Iowa, you'll beat them, right? Mm-hmm. So they, they beat themselves against Iowa. Baylor, they mess up a two-point conversion. In a game, like, Baylor played a really good game. Their special Iowa State special teams cost them that game too. Their special right. teams cost them that game and not be able to finish drives. They lose by two points. Then they go on that little winning streak, three straight games. They go on and win this weird game where they allow thirty-eight points for West Virginia. And then, and then obviously Oklahoma State goes their way. It's 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 a you know it's a it's a, it was a closer game. And they lose this game by three. Like they've had some really crushing losses. But I will say it's. Um, this group in kind of big winning situations hasn't been that good. And they're a really, they're a capable football team. They really are, but they were slow out of the gate in this game. And that's kind of a microcosm for some of their seasons and some of their games. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just weren't good enough late in the game to finish on defense. And this, it, it's just weird to see, but the problem for them is you don't know what Iowa state group that you're going to get. Um, 
in games this season. The problem is it's been the big games. It's been Iowa. It's been Baylor. It's been Oklahoma State. And they were – I thought that was their best game, but it just shows that we got that good version. And then West Virginia, the, the defense is nowhere to be found. And then Texas Tech, kind of the same story. The defense really struggled in this game too. So that's a problem. Like, Would you be shocked if next week they went beat Oklahoma? I'd be a little bit surprised, but we know they've got it in them. The problem is Matt Campbell has not gotten that group to play consistently the entire year. Yeah, and it just makes me think of like, oh, you in Texas, you really want to go to the SEC right now? Like, (laughs) it's just like unbelievable. Like everyone, like Oklahoma literally for years was just squashing on everyone. Like, la, 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 we're just going to show up and win and you're just going to take it. And the Big 12 is like either improving or in my mind, I think the extra year of eligibility has just made teams bigger or not bigger, but just like older. So maybe it's just like tougher. Maybe in other years we'll see this come back down. But I mean, we're really even realizing if you can't even beat Kansas on a, on a week, like this league just shows how tough it is. Like I look at Clemson and what they did in the ACC for many years. And it's just like, they were dominating. Oh, you were dominating. But now it feels like more college football is being more level. And I feel like in the big 12, we're really, really seeing that. And I mean, you're even seeing that for Iowa state. We thought they were going to walk over everyone. That did not happen. Yeah, it's it's weird. And and look, I thought Oklahoma State might surprise us some, but like you know, Iowa State to be to to not, you know, even be they're not even a factor. Like they haven't been a factor in the Big Twelve t- championship race. I mean, they were like in October, but we weren't even halfway through the season yet, right? right. So they're not they're not a, they're not a Big Twelve title contender. Uh, and for Texas Tech, what an effort! What what an effort! And, and congrats on the win. Um, one more segment to get, or one more game to get to rather, but first a quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you, brought to you by built.com. Go to built.com today. Find the built bars there. Bunch of flavors available. You guys can check them all out right now. Uh, check them out too for their black Friday sale. They've got a bunch of new flavors that always come out too. Right now, coconut raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barchia, just to uh, name a few. Go to the website, once again, built.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off today. All right, Robbie, one more game. And, and look, all the games this week were important. It's kind of we were getting this one last. Um, Kansas State 34, West Virginia 17, a comprehensive win uh, once again for Kansas State. It was not like a huge blowout, but they were in control from this game start from start to finish. And really, you know, the, the thing I want to mention about this now is this winning streak right now that uh, Kansas State is on, they're at seven and three, and this was a three and three ball club that was zero and zero and three in the conference. And so now above five hundred in the conference, they're they're you know going to have a chance to win at least eight games this year. If they lost out the rest of the next couple of games, still have a chance to win eight with a bowl game. Um, this is a successful season for Kansas State, and they even had to deal with a quarterback injury in the middle of it. Skyward Thompson still to me does not look like he is a hundred and ten percent, but. He's managing the games. He's doing very well. Their defense has had to deal with some injuries, but they're you know they're flying around with that three man front. We always talk about they're making plays. They've got guys who are not as big, right, playing more as uh, as Coach Klein likes to call it safety type bodies. They've gotten there, but they've made this thing work. And now, you know, seven and three team. They've won four straight. And uh, to be honest, I'm really pumped for their matchup against Baylor. And then they go to Texas, where I'm not sure they're going to be favorites. But I think a whole lot of people will say, hey, why can't Kansas State go into Texas and get a win? No, I agree. And we look at Chris Kleiman year three, going to a bowl game, seven and three. And I feel like he's really 
He's really nailed some players that have definitely flown under the radar. Obviously, Deuce Vaughn, getting him in there. He was not a highly recruited guy. The fact that he got him and he's as effective as he is. And King Felix on defense. I'm not going to say his last name. I'm going to screw it up. But he's <laughs> he was leading the Big 12 in sacks. And, like, the fact that he's, he's been able to see these players that are underdeveloped, under the radar, get them, develop them to where the point that they can compete in the Big 12. And, like, Kansas State is not a school that's getting the top recruits. He is doing the things the right way, getting players from the transfer portal, nailing on some recruits and developing them. And if you're a Kansas State fan, like, when the Big 12 changes, when OU and Texas leaves, I 100%, like 100% believe that Chris Kleiman in that area, if he stays with Kansas State, can be a real wrecking to, like, compete for Big 12 championships. They have, they have put themselves in that position to compete with Cincinnati or compete with these other schools, compete with Oklahoma State. Like, they can be competitive in this new-look Big 12. So if you're, like, a fan of Kansas State, like, you have to be positive. Like, we have the guy. If he stays here, we are going to be fine. The thing that gives me trepidation for them, big T word, by the way, that was good on me, but big T word, <laughs> Skylar Thompson will be gone and – that's where I think they need to get a big transfer. You cannot rely on Will Howard for the future. I mean, you can try and just believe in him because you've been developing him, but if you're a Kansas State fan, you really want to hit that transfer portal for a quarterback because they're going to be sad to see Skylar Thompson leave because he's just been so, so solid for them. And it stinks that, you know, we always have to say, what if he didn't get hurt last year? Or what if he didn't, like, earlier in the year miss a couple games? And that stinks, but... Shout out Kansas State, seven and three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you, I mean, arguing in some ways, kind of help them grow as a team, right? They're going to work complete as a team coming through that. All right, Robbie, I know we got to get out, got to get out of here because we have a show coming up. We got to do. Yes, uh, where can people find you and uh, you know whatever else that you like to plug? Go ahead. Right here, Twitter at the Triano Kid. Tweet about Big Twelve stuff. Tweet about random things. Series XM Big Twelve Radio Channel three seventy five. We have two great programs, Big 12 this morning, and you can hear Josh and I on Big 12 today. Awesome. Robbie Triano, always appreciate your time. Awesome. See you, man. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.